It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked on Raptors, Donovan Mitchell has been traded to the Eastern Conference as was much expected, but it is to the Cleveland Cavaliers and not the New York Knicks, which has some ramifications for the Raptors and their status within the Eastern Conference. So on today's show, we'll dig into all of it. Do the Cavs jump past the Raptors in the preseason projections? How does that rivalry look? What does that matchup look like if the Raptors and Cavs were to square off and say, I don't know, a 4-5 series or something like that? We'll get to that and so much more as we continue to assess the Eastern Conference once again with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 38 of Lockdown Raptors for Friday, September the 2nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Lockdown Raptors, and you can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps. You can also go and support the show on YouTube for free. Just a big red subscribe button. You go to the Locked on Raptors YouTube channel. You support the show by pressing that big button. And I am forever indebted to you for the rest of time. Uh, Thanks as always as well for making us your first listen of the day. And let's get to it. Big news in the NBA yesterday. Surprising news. Donovan Mitchell is a Cleveland Cavalier traded from the Cavs to, sorry, from the Jazz to the Cavs in exchange for Lowry Markkinen, Colin Sexton, Ochai Abaji, and a whole whack of picks. Three unprotected firsts, a couple of swaps as well, and the Jazz continue to stuff their coffers with picks like freaks, and the Cavs get a lot better. 
And uh, here to talk about it is Vivek Jacob. We're going to first react to the deal. We'll dig into what it means for the Raptors. Then we'll kind of look at the dregs of the Eastern Conference and see if there's any more teams the Raptors should be worried about or if we're, like the Cavs are kind of the cutoff. We'll get to that in a sec. But Big V, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I am excited for the weekend. Ready to get this started. Enjoying the U.S. Open, as always. Mm. And... Uh, there's some cricket going on with the Asia Cup, so it's a good time Beautiful. right now. Excellent. Uh, yeah, who doesn't love a long weekend, baby? It's just the damn best. Uh, very excited myself. Let's uh, dive on into the Donovan Mitchell trade, shall we? The news comes down yesterday. What was your first response? Did you like it for the Cavs? Did you dislike it for the Cavs? Uh, did you have any sort of uh, knee-jerk reactions related to the Raptors? Uh, the sort of price for the deal? Whatever it is, what were your sort of overall takeaways from the Mitchell trade on Thursday afternoon? Yeah, overall the deal is pretty fair. But I do like that the Cavs got better, I think, when yeah. you look at it in a vacuum, you give up Markinen, you give up Sexton, uh, you give up Abaji, and you get Donovan Mitchell, who is a three-time All-Star, a very good scorer, um, and they got better in a vacuum. So it's going to make the East more competitive. Is it, you know, the optimal way in which they needed to get better? No, because mm -hmm. you look at the importance of wings these days. <laughs> All they have to show right now is Isaac Okoro, so um, who is probably a bit undersized. <laughs> Look at this so. Lamar Stevens erasure. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that is still going to be a problem for them against the top teams in the East, uh, against the top teams in the league period. So, mm -hmm. you know, they got better. Uh, they've probably solidified their potential um, as like, Again, one of those bottom tier uh, East playoff teams. Yeah. But I don't think they've done enough to, you know, maybe squeak into the top four, let's say. That's fair. I, I mean, this team could be a regular season wins machine. Just, I mean, as much as we like to clown on Donovan Mitchell because he's kind of lame, uh, he did, you know, orchestrate the number one offense in the NBA last season, an offense that for a time looked like it was going to like break records as like the best offense we've ever seen. He's really good. And the Cavs offense last season, as great as the whole Mobley, Allen uh, and Garland trio was like offense was not that team's bread and butter. They were a bottom 10 offense last season. And bringing in Mitchell, I think it can only help. You get another pick-and-roll partner for Jared Allen, which is horrifying. Um, and I, I think it's kind of a bet on the transcendence of Evan Mobley to say, yeah, you know, sometimes small backcourts that are a little light on defense don't work, but we have Evan Mobley. If anyone's going to be able to mop up the mistakes of the small backcourt, it's probably Evan Mobley, who is the best defensive prospect we've seen in the NBA since, like, Tim Duncan. You know, that's like that's that's not a bad bet to make, I would say. Like if any team is ready to withstand the lack of wing play, it's probably them. I do wonder about a playoff series, though, because like Mitchell and Garland are going to get feasted upon on switches time after time. And you can better scheme out guys like Mobley and Allen in a playoff series where you have seven games in a row to look at a team. Um, but like 
obviously you make this trade if you're the Cavs, even if you're a little bit lukewarm on the idea of Mitchell with them or lukewarm on the idea of him being there the entirety of the rest of his deal, which I think is another sort of concern to bake into this one if you're a Cavs fan, if you're the Cavs front office. But, like, you trade a bunch of picks, which don't mean anything, uh, because, like, like I, I just, I'm at this point where, like, the picks are just make-believe now. All of the picks just get shipped out in these deals they're so far in the future. They are, yeah, they'll probably be valuable at some point. But I, I like, I feel like we've got to sort of get a bit of a reset on the like actual very good basketball players are the thing of value here, and not the picks in the future for speculative teens who, right now, in the case of the 2029 pick that's going out, are in the sixth grade. Like it's it's silly to me that it feels like star players have almost become undervalued in these trades because people are so horny for their picks, and like the Cavs win. Because because they get the very good player in the deal. Um, you know, maybe Abaji's a good player. I don't know. Who's to say? I'm not a draft guy. He was a mid-first round pick. Like, flip a coin. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's not. Uh, Lowry Markkinen, I thought, was like a weird fit on that team. As much as they made it work last year, I don't think it was particularly sustainable to have him playing the Andrea Bargnani ceremonial small forward spot. Uh, it didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. I, I just... They're way better. It was a no-brainer deal, even if it's not a perfect deal. And for a team like the Cavs, who have won a title recently, who typically, without LeBron James in town, are a disaster show, like, go for it, man. Like, all, by all means, have fun. Go nuts with your big trade and go get a star player. Um, and also making the Knicks look bad in the process is really fun as well. Uh, <laughs> any other sort of takeaways from this deal? Maybe the ramifications around the league, around, um, you know... The, other teams sort of in the Raptors orbit, perhaps, you know, I guess the Knicks are kind of the other team to talk about here before we get to the Raptors Cavs sort of tete-a-tete. -tete. Uh, any other sort of key takeaways from this deal, Big V? I think the one takeaway I would have is that as far as uh, picks are concerned, the market has not cooled. You know, I was wondering as the time had passed from the Rudy Gobert deal, the DeJounte Murray deal, yeah, uh, would front offices sort of just acknowledge that hey uh there were no prominent players coming back in the deal therefore you had to include all these picks mm -hmm. um in either the dejounte or the the rudy deal right and so now when there's three unprotected picks as well uh, in this deal and the two pick swaps it tells me that the market has legitimately reset and that yeah. is the expectation now um, and probably not going to change through, say, potentially, you know, the trade deadline. Yeah, it's uh, like it's going to make any star trade in the future more difficult to pull off for sure. If you're a team like the Raptors, who kind of position yourself to be in that mix, like. I would imagine that if ever a Shea Gilgis-Alexander, your fave, comes up, like that's going to be a, a ludicrous pick package that goes out just because that's the way it is. And, and like I don't know what it's going to take to reset it. <laughs> like, you know, obviously these things are fluid and they're cyclical and they do change in the sort of views on draft picks. You know, it's probably going to take one of these deals to blow up spectacularly in some team's face. Maybe another, you know, in addition to the Nets one, which maybe is going to be fine now. Who, who, who really knows with the Nets? But, um, like, it, it's going to take one of these to blow up spectacularly, probably to alter the way things are viewed. But I got to say, the draft is going to be extremely boring for the next, like, six, seven years because it's the same five teams that have all the picks 
And I think that sucks. They should redistribute those picks. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just like, it's just lame and sad and the sort of stratification of the league. It's it's a weird part, time in the league because with the Cavs getting better, like I, could, I think you could argue there's like 20 legitimately good teams in the NBA right now. And there's like five teams that are just complete abject embarrassments. And I I don't know if I love that that construct. I guess it's nice to have more good teams, and there's always going to be bottom teams that everyone beats up on. But the style uh, that the sort of teams that have taken to, to get to the bottom, the, the way they've done it is a bummer to me. And I'm glad that I don't root for a team that is fetishizing picks over actually having good basketball players on the team. Uh, we're going to continue on and talk about the Raptors and the Cavs and how they line up, because I think you could argue that they're basically in the same sphere now in the Eastern Conference. I think I would have had the Raptors pretty comfortably ahead of the Cavs coming into the year, but the Mitchell addition, the boost that's going to bring to the offense, certainly makes them a bit more of a formidable opponent. We're going to dig into the very interesting on-paper matchup that is Raptors-Cavs in just one sec. But first, we have a message, a very important message from the NHTSA to pass along to you. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen, right? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? That's wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high, not only putting yourself in danger, but everybody around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you have been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Now digging into the, I think, the matchup that I'm most excited to watch for the Raptors this coming season. And it just so happens to be the season opener on October the 19th, which is fantastic. Raptors, Cavs, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, the rest of their team, which is less interesting, uh, against the Raptors. Really interesting mix of long dudes. It's zero wing versus all wing. It's a it's a very fun sort of styles make fights type of situation. Um, you know, yesterday per bet online, the Cavaliers jumped ahead of the Raptors in title uh, odds. You know, as far as more likely to win the title. Uh, you know, fair. I don't know. That's you know, it's not always predictive. It's more sort of where the money's going and all of that, but. But uh, the Cavs jumped ahead of the Raptors in terms of whether they're going to win the title or not, the, the likelihood of such. The 
on paper matchup is really fascinating. I think you could argue Pascal Siakam is the best player between either team. Maybe the Cavs have the next two or three best players until Scotty Barnes makes his emergence or whatever. Like it's a fascinating couple of teams, obviously linked by the fact that they have two of the prized studs of the 2021 draft and Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes as well. Those matchups were really fun to watch last season. Lots of sort of tension and fuel in those. I'm curious, Vivek, like, Raptors Cavs like what's your sort of read on this as a sort of head-to-head right now do you agree that they're kind of in that same tier in the Eastern Conference maybe just below that sort of upper crust of contenders and how does this all sort of affect the Raptors as they go in now with a little bit more of a challenge in terms of getting into a top six seed with maybe seven teams you could argue being top six worthy I think the Raptors are better I think the Raptors will likely be competing for home court not just okay. the top six spot. Um, I'm pretty high on them coming into this season. I think I'm encouraged by the fact that they had a good record against plus 500 teams last yeah. season. Yeah. Uh, the Raptors finished 28 and 22 against plus 500 teams. Uh, the Cavs, on the other hand, were 21 and 29. Yep. And so uh, you would expect that to improve with Donovan Mitchell in the mix. But at the same time, I think part of it is that deficiency in at the wing position right that's just such a critical position in the league and so when you go up against those teams that do have those elite wings it becomes a problem and so what the Cavs are going to do with Pascal Siakam and uh Scotty Barnes uh, remains to be seen (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think uh looking at the Raptors as well as far as seeding is concerned while they had a good record against plus 500 teams they didn't do as well as they should have against sub 500 teams they were 20 and 12 against them so i expect that to improve as well so i i would expect the raptors to finish with a pretty good regular season record a very good regular season record um i keep going back to the point that after december 29th they finished the season 34 and 17 and That was a time when Fred Van Vliet was injured. That was a time when OG Ananobi barely was playing. And so you add those players to the mix. You add Otto Porter Jr. to the mix. Uh, Thaddy Young for the full season, uh, potentially, if he doesn't get moved. Uh, You've got got a very, very good team. So I still have the Raptors above the Cavs. But the Cavs did close the gap a bit. Yeah, I... I think I agree that like in a head-to-head matchup, I think the mix the Raptors have has a pretty good shot of kind of exposing the very clear, obvious flaws on the Cavs. Uh, as far as like regular season goes, I think I'm probably going to knock my win projection for the Raptors down a couple with this and also with the Nets kind of being a real team just because there's fewer wins to go around, right? Like mathematically, yep. it's just going to be, you know, more teams fighting for wins. And like, it's just, you know, the, look, I think there's going to be some horribly wretched teams that have a whole lot of losses on their ledger. So that's going to sort of feed into the win column for a lot of these top tier teams in the East as well. But I think, you know, I could totally see the Cavs finishing ahead of the Raptors. I think their offense is probably going to be pretty good, um, you know, even with Isaac Okoro out there shooting 29% from the corners or whatever the hell he does. Uh, like, I think they're going to be pretty tough to stop, especially when Mitchell kind of gets rolling. But, you know, it's not going to be like an instant, oh, the Cavs make a lot of sense right away thing either, right? Like, Darius Garland's an incredible on-ball player. He should probably have the ball in his hands a whole lot. 
how him and Donovan Mitchell coexist is going to be something that's going to probably take some time. Whereas the Raptors, they're going to walk into the season. I've used this stat before, but John Schumann's continuity ranking says the Raptors is the number one team in terms of returning minutes from last year to this year. That matters. Like that is going to have an impact at the start of the season in particular. And if you bank some wins early on, that is going to help you sort of with the overall win total down the line. So yeah, I, I think it's, awesome that the east is this stacked at the same time i'm yearning for the days of the raptors being the easy three seed with 47 wins uh <laughs> that's not going to be the case this year for sure i could see there being like seven 50 win teams in the eastern conference at this point like that that's how loaded it seems to be someone's gonna fall out maybe it's miami as they kind of age and maybe sort of gear themselves less towards the regular season and more towards postseason sustainability i don't know but uh, it certainly makes the top six battle utterly fascinating because there are seven teams there now that I think can lay claim to being one of the six best teams in the Eastern Conference. So it's not going to be some sort of cakewalk to a five seed. Like I kind of thought it might be before the news of the Nets and Cavs being real serious contenders again. Um, you know, it's certainly going to kind of muddle things up. What do you think this does to the sort of burgeoning rivalry between the Raptors and Cavs? Like, does this make you more excited about what the next few years could hold in store? I know we've kind of kicked around the idea of the sort of Lake Erie triangle of the Raptors, Pistons, and Cavs eventually sort of taking over the Eastern Conference and ruling it and making beat reporters very sad that they have to travel to these cities in the middle of the summer, uh, <laughs> which is silly because they're all very nice in the summertime or July, whenever the hell the finals are played. June? That when they play? June. Who knows? Yeah. The schedule has been weird for a couple of years, but either way, uh, how do you think this kind of adds some fuel to the burgeoning rivalry between these two teams? It definitely adds to it. I think uh, people will be a lot more hyped for opening night. I think oh, hell yeah. That uh, you look at transitioning from the LeBronto era to this Scotty Barnes versus Evan Mobley era. Yeah. Uh, and all the pieces involved. You know, one of the questions you maybe weigh up is who has the better core for the next five years the next decade yeah. and so the Cavs now being able to add donovan mitchell to that mix makes it more interesting to debate right i think uh i think if you were to just list a top three it would be very interesting but the raptors probably just have a deeper core so when you start talking about who the top five is the top six is that's yeah. when it swings the raptors way but i think it's a fun matchup i think the Cavs are good for the league in the sense that, you know, they've got that twin towers with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley and they're doing something different. Yep. Now you'll say, oh, okay, they've got a small backcourt and they're going to play uh, a bit more uh, like other teams. But no, I think it's still going to be interesting. It's still going to be fun. Um, and obviously, as an aside, the Timberwolves are going to be fascinating to watch too with Rudy yep. Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. And so... I think those teams are good for the league in terms of doing stuff different. The Raptors obviously do things uh, pretty differently as well, uh, especially on the defensive <laughs> end of the floor. But yeah, uh, yeah I think the matchup uh, is going to be fun to watch. And then, you know, the big picture rivalry is one that should be more intense now with Mitchell in the mix. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be a blast. And again, I keep going back to the styles make fights thing and, and like the Twin Towers against everyone is like a medium tower. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I, I, I'm. It's good to have competitive basketball, I think, is the thing. And I, I hope that this sort of 
phase that the league seems to be in where there's not a crazy sort of condensed two or three teams that are obviously better than everybody else. Like, I, I would hope that, you know, the fun of being a 50-ish win team is kind of being realized by a lot of folks right now. It's nice to see the Wolves kind of going for it, the Cavs themselves too. Like, there's a lot of value in kind of playing fun, cool, regular season games and, you know, having that, uh, you know, competition throughout the year. Like, that's that's great. That That's kind of what we do this for, man. The playoffs are fun and all, but, like, we spend six months of the year watching regular season basketball. Uh, it's nice that we have a little bit more in terms of drama and tension baked into that with this Mitchell trade and sort of what it does to the East hierarchy. Speaking of the East hierarchy, we're going to round out on the other side. We've kind of talked to death the top part of the Eastern Conference. We're going to try to pinpoint any teams perhaps below this top seven grouping that we've now kind of established here uh, and see like, are, are, should any of these teams be worrying the Raptors? Should any of these teams be sort of having designs on top four seating in the Eastern Conference as well? Are we forgetting the Bulls or the Hawks or whomever? We'll get to that in just one second here. But first, just a reminder to check out Locked on NBA every single day on your favorite podcast apps for free. It's also on YouTube as a rotating cast of Locked on NBA hosts. Jump in there to, uh, you know, fill you in on all the latest news. Plenty of Donovan Mitchell talk on today's show. So be sure to go check that out right when you're done here listening to Locked on Raptors. Again, it's on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube for free. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Big V, the Eastern Conference hierarchy. We've established, it seems, Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, Philly, Brooklyn, Toronto, Cleveland feel like the top seven in the East now. Of course, there are six playoff spots proper. There's 10 seeds overall in the play-in mix. Um, so that leaves a few other spots for teams to kind of be in that conversation. To me, I think I only see two teams that I'm even sort of considering like actual meeting, meaningfully good teams in the Eastern Conference. And I feel like the Wembanyama of it all is going to force a lot of these teams in a downward direction once they kind of realize how overmatched they are in the East. But, um, you know, it's probably the Bulls and the Hawks. We'll get to those teams for sure. Are there any other teams kind of in that mix beneath? Of course, the Knicks without Donovan Mitchell will be one of those teams. You've got the Pacers who seem to be fully embracing the tank. The Pistons might be on the come up if... Cade Cunningham is as good as he kind of projected in the back half of last year. Uh, the Wizards are always trying and failing to be average. Uh, where are you with the sort of bottom tier of the Eastern Conference? Is there any team in there? We'll get to the Bulls and the Hawks in a sec because I think they're kind of in their own little level. But uh, any team in the bottom depths of the East that you're looking at as like a potential climber in the East standings this year that could give the Raptors some problems as it relates to the race for the play-in seeds? Not really. I think you've listed it right. Like the Pacers, Magic, Wizards, I think will be pretty, pretty bad. I think yeah. that some people are high on the Pistons, and I agree they do have good potential, but I just think they're going to be one of those teams that plays to that potential in the first half of the season, and then sure. it's like, okay, we saw what we needed to. We need to prioritize the ping pong balls now and just go into <laughs> tank mode. Oh, the um, Presti special is what you're calling that. Okay, <laughs> great. Love it. Love when more teams do that, for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and then I put the Hornets uh, pretty low as well. They didn't really do anything this offseason besides resigning Cody Martin. So They're going to stink, man. I think they're going to be really bad. Yeah. So you've got those bad teams. And then uh, it's an interesting mix. Like I would put the Bucks and the Celtics as the clear-cut top two in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would not be surprised if like Miami, Philly, Toronto, I've got in a similar tier in terms of juking it out for that home court. And then I would say the Cavs, Hawks, Bulls are in that next tier. Where do you have the Nets? Uh, the Nets are in just a stratosphere <laughs> by themselves. <laughs> they just I hate this exist. team. I hate them so much. They're stupid. <laughs> there's the theoretical Nets. There's the practical Nets. There's the New Jersey Nets. I don't know, man. Like it's It's very difficult to think of what they might be, what they could be. At their best, they could be a, a top three team in the East. They could be yeah. in that Bucks uh, Celtics mix. At their worst, they could be going for a playing spot again. And so <laughs> they'll be somewhere. They'll be somewhere in there, uh, depending mm-hmm. on who shows up, when, how, all of that. So the Nets just, you know, TBD. Uh, there's just too much going on there for me to really be analytical about them and be like yeah this yeah. is what they could be like yeah it is we can talk about simmons and Kyrie and kd all we want they might end up playing 10 games together yeah you ever watch the show uh selling sunset vivek no okay so this is a great program i love it it's my favorite show that and selling okay. the oc the spinoff series uh it's about like high listing real estate agents in la they sell fancy houses and stuff but it's like a reality show it's like created by the guy who made the hills uh and so this show i love it because there's like an air of normalcy to it like some people are just like there to work and sell houses and then there's a couple people who kind of parachute in who are like detached from reality and add all the drama to the show there's a character named christine on selling sunset who kind of starts out the series as like a very serious like real real estate agent and then as the series goes along realizes oh i can just be the psycho on the on the show and become famous for that and she kind of does that and becomes not really a real person who you can evaluate within the context of the other people in the in the office Christine Quinn is the Nets. Like, yes. it's full on, like, I don't know how to, like, evaluate, because you're not real. You don't have any sort of tangible relatability or anything like that. Uh, so that that's kind of where I'm at with the Nets, too. It's, like, impossible to evaluate. That said, Kevin Durant's Zach very Cole good. was saying the same yeah. thing, too. He was <laughs> yeah. like, everything you say about the Nets is, on paper, they could be this. On paper, yeah. they would do this. Yeah. The last couple of years... We have not seen that on uh, on paper version very much. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to be wild when the Royce O'Neal deal turns out to be an absolute game changer and what makes that team real and legitimate. Uh, <laughs> the deal that we all laughed at five minutes before the the demand. 
Um, either way, let's go quickly to the Bulls and the Hawks because I think they're interesting. I am lower on these teams than I am than I think most people are. Um, the Bulls, I'm just concerned as hell about Lonzo Ball. Like it doesn't even sound like he's guaranteed to be healthy for the start of the season, which is a problem considering he was kind of the straw that stirred that whole drink last year. He was kind of the bridge between the sort of slow it down half court Demar offense and the uh, run and gun fly all up and down the floor Lonzo's. Levine offense and like not having him is a problem he's their best wing defender along with Alex Caruso also very important on a team that doesn't really have a lot of defense and other very important spots it's uh it's dubious I think and they didn't do a whole lot in the offseason except for bringing Andre Drummond who is vibes poison so I- I'm concerned about the Bulls the Hawks I admit I kind of have a, like biases against the Hawks because I just can't stand watching Trey Young play basketball. Drives me insane. Uh, and, you know, that's just sort of one of those I'm never going to get it situations. But do, do you have like a, a read on those teams? Do you view them on the same sort of level as the Raptors, the Cavs, those that kind of tier teams? Or are you kind of with me in that they kind of occupy their own tier of probably play in locks, but I'm not actually all that worried about either of those squads? Yeah, they're play in locks i just don't see them uh as potentially being more significant than that i think sure maybe if they really are uh confident in what in what uh onyeka okongwu is bringing to the table this season and then there's a Mm -hmm. deal to be worked with clint capella and upgrade the roster that way in a meaningful way uh again at the wing position i think that could make things a bit more interesting for them but beyond that, uh, it's tough to see. I'm a big fan of Okongwu. Uh, I think mm-hmm. he could be their starting center. Um, but the Capella situation, how that plays out, is going to be interesting to watch this year. Also, John Collins is still on that team. Like, what's the, like they seem yeah. to hate him, but he's still there. I, yeah, I don't know. It's a weird team. So, yeah, I, I would put the Cavs, Hawks, Bulls below the Raptors. I think... Mm-hmm. I think the Bulls last season, especially that first half half of the season, were another one of those really fascinating teams because of the fact that they were relying on two guards as their defensive linchpins in Caruso and Ball. And I thought that was like a different way of doing things and was really interesting. And then obviously the DeMar stuff that was happening was cool. Uh, Zach Levine, I'm curious where the knee is at now. Yeah. Um, obviously, he got his money, but we'll see where that's at. Vucevic, it hasn't been the greatest fit. Uh, he's had some really good moments, but he's had some bad moments as well. So what's next season going to look like? So I have some question marks about them. Uh, but obviously, Damar has proven to be uh, a regular season king. Uh, <laughs> he gets his wins. So maybe that respect is due. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think the Raptors are better than all those teams. Uh, the Cavs have addressed that gap in a meaningful way. But, yeah, I'm not worried. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like a situation where, like, yeah, lots of other good things are going on for other teams around the Raptors, but also, like, plenty of good is going on with the Raptors as well. And the reasons to be bullish on the Raptors as a team are still all very valid. It's just it might be a little more difficult because there's some teams that are trying, which is a good thing overall for the health of the league and the entertainment product. So uh, also on the Bulls, 
Patrick Williams is uh, 25 days younger than Scotty Barnes. Maybe he figures it out. I, you got hurt last year. You played like 10 games. Maybe he is something to kind of change the ceiling of that team. And maybe that is all they need is like, oh, a four who can defend everybody and finish a bunch of buckets. That That's, uh, you know, not the worst thing in the world. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we should we'll, probably uh, note the Bulls played the Raptors really well last year. They did. They they definitely did. They were the one team to beat them in that stretch where they beat all the important teams when they played them. Uh, like all it was the Hawks, Hornets, Heat, and Bulls. They they went seven and one. Bulls picked the only win. Um, yeah, they're they're annoying for sure. Demar gets up to beat the Raptors, as it turns out. Uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much to those of you who tuned in today. Really appreciate it. And we'll be back again next week. No show on Monday because of the holiday, but we'll be back resuming things on Tuesday. This is going to be the last appearance for Big V for a while because you're going on vacation, which is why we doubled up this week. Uh, anything you would like to promote before we get out of here, Big V? Um, No, just the, the usual stuff, but I just want to quickly note, you know, uh, Pakistan is going through a horrible time with these devastating floods. Uh, and so if you are able to help, uh, please do. There are several resources available. Um through Canadian charities. IDRF is one that I use uh, pretty consistently. So, uh, you know, maybe we can drop some links in this episode. Absolutely. Uh, but it's a horrible situation for Pakistan right now. So if there is anyone that's listening and can help, uh, please do so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a horrible situation that the Canadian government has offered uh, pocket change to help support. So, um, you know, th that's uh, there will be some links in the description of the show for you to go and donate to the pakistan relief fund and uh thank you big v for bringing that to the attention of the show we'll round it there thank you very much for tuning in we'll talk to you again on tuesday in the meantime go listen to lockdown blue jays and make it your second listen of the day uh it's great they're they're filling you in on the blue jays as they push towards the postseason into september now baby we love september baseball where things are competitive it's all we've ever wanted am i right so go listen to lockdown blue jays as they break it all down for you each and every day and have yourself a wonderful long weekend we'll talk to you next week Bye bye Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.